Hello, if it footballer's life, let's go. Continue. <laughs> How about this guy? Like he decides he's going to go ahead and kick us off. We can't even hear what he's doing or see him. He's all over the place. Well, leave. Kick us off, buddy. I was about to, and then he thought that he could still do it after just coming off a bus. All right, boys, here we go. Football is life. Five minute episode. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go in. Right. No messing around. We've got uh, a tasty, tasty lineup today. We're going to be talking about the North London derby for our five Arsenal fans and our three Spurs fans. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some of the sort of more scrapey fixtures and teams in our and uh, Chelsea and Manchester Red. Uh, and then finally, we're going to do a very, very quick preview for the weekend because there's some tasty matches coming up as well. Uh, but let's dive right into it. Pat, how uh, how happy are you uh, after last weekend, after seeing the result of 2-2 at the Emirates? I mean, I, you have to be happy. you got to be happy that, that, that uh, Spurs, you know, get a point in that match. It's been a tough place for Spurs to play recently. But I, I, I did, I had a conversation with Ross in the morning. I thought that... Uh, 2-2 is the result I kind of felt we were going to get there. And I, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, how do you just – they look so good. They just look so good. They're playing so free. They got behind twice in the game. It didn't matter. They, they didn't change their, you know, their strategy at all. They just kept at it. It looked a little rough maybe in the last few minutes. But actually, it could have been – like it could have even been a better result than it was. So, like, I, I have to be happy. And I'm really looking forward to this weekend and, and playing Liverpool as well. What do you – so what do you think – like really was the key differentiator between this fixture here this season and last season like what do you really because you had Kane last season arguably it was a stronger team in that, in that respect but like like what's the real difference here and you can say it's the it's the Ange factor we have the ball Willie. like it's having the ball is a nice thing we didn't know how to have the ball for years and now we actually have the ball we had the ball more than they did and I think uh you know it's it's good to be in a spot where your midfield can actually play you can hang on to the ball. You can be a little threatening and a little dangerous out there. And I think that's that's the key. And I, I mean, I'm a, part of what I'm most excited about is that I've said this a few times on on the podcast. Our second best player last year was Benton Kerr, and he's been out, you know, for the back half of last year and, and all of this year so far. You bring him back into a midfield that's already playing very well, and I think you've really got a team that's pretty tough. So. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is that you're talking about possession against a team, which is pro- like they outpossessed City last season when we went over to the Emirates. They had like 60% possession. So the fact that you did that, and I feel like that's actually more of a testament to Basuma and Saar. Like, I think those two low-key ran the game for Spurs. Like, they did exceptionally well in breaking up every piece of attack. Like, Odegaard was hidden. I thought that he was injured that game, but he was actually just playing terribly. Right. I'm pretty sure that Sar still got him in his pocket somewhere. And I think that that is probably the biggest differentiator between like last year and now is that you've got a midfield that, yeah, Hoybig, he's fine. He did okay, but he wasn't as quick to it as Basuma and Sar. Having that double, having that double defensive disruption is a lot more potent than having Hoiberg trying to shuffle across and do that all himself. I don't know. I mean, I think I genuinely think that Arsenal got very lucky to get a point in that match. And this isn't me just trying to bait Arsenal fans out. Like, I genuinely do. You look at that shot from Saka, you know that he was going to just always pull across and just try and try and crack it in because that's his thing. He's like a shite Mahrez. But the thing is that he, like, they got an own goal, a really unfortunate own goal, and then they got a very dubious handball. While Spurs' goals were both very clean cut, like completely tore Arsenal apart. So that's why I'm thinking that Arsenal actually low-key got pretty fortunate to like 
not concede more, or at least even score those goals. How how is that shift in dynamic for you to think that you're actually putting someone like Arsenal, who came second and did reasonably well last year, under the gun? Or yeah. it's like two months of having Ange. You, you you have to you absolutely have to love it. And I know everyone felt like when we lost Kane that we were just going to have no answer and, and kind of no chance to be a, a strong team. But I do think that the you know the Madison pickup is big. Sar, I don't understand what's happened there because last season when you did see him on the pitch, he looked like an 18-year-old boy out there trying to play with men. Now he looks like he's bigger and stronger and faster than the other guys he's out there against, which is amazing. Uh, and Basuma, like, he, how how was he not on the – like, he wasn't on the pitch and playing even. I, I still can't figure that one out if there was some sort of a little injury or something. But, like, Conte couldn't get him out there. They just – they look tough. They look tough in the midfield. And, and I do think you're right. I think that, that Arsenal were, you know, a little fortunate to get the point out of this. And I, and I had a couple friends who were – who are big time Arsenal fans reach out and, and tell me how much, how improved they feel like, you know, Spurs really are. Uh, it, and I think it's, it's super clear. And so, you know, it, it bodes well for the rest of the year. Who knows what's going to happen. They could easily, you know, Spurs it up and, and start playing badly against bad teams. I don't think that the the game this weekend is at all, you know, a, a fait accompli. They're playing against a team in Liverpool who are really playing very, very well. So I know Ross, once he's finally in a stationary place, he's going to tell us all about what he thinks there. Uh, there he is. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like he's ready to start talking about it now. But but look, I just you have to love the improvement this team has made. And I think there are actually, you know, uh, six games in, I think they're a threat for top four. Really good. I genuinely do. The thing is, though, I feel like, and Ross, I'm going to come to you in a second, but I genuinely feel like this Spurs team is different even to the Poch team of age, right? One, it's an actually likable team. I actually, for some reason, am hating substantially less by like an order, order of magnitude less on Spurs this year. But honestly, I I genuinely think they have a lot more resilience. Like they're, they are a team with a system rather than a Harry Kane. And I think that makes a hell of a difference. Because then you see your your Basumas, your Sars, like sort of coming in and chipping in and just sort of all gelling a bit together a bit more rather than a case of pass it to Kane and hope for the best. So I think that this weekend is actually not, it's not going to be a walkover, but I don't think that even if they lose, that they'll capitulate and they'll go on a massive downward turn. Uh, Ross, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the Arsenal National, so the upcoming one? Well, you want to say hi to my mum first? Hey, mum. This is the boys in the room. Hi, Hello. Just to see, we'll lead to it. see this one here. He's coming to visit soon. This we'll lead at the bottom. He wants to, he's jealous. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, there you go. That's my wee mum. Look, listen. I just you know, it's, it's been kind of nice actually. Just uh, it's, it's well, I say first thing. It's been weird just not talking and just having to listen to you two talk. And it kind of makes me realise why I have to do most of the talking in this bloody podcast because the amount of crap you two come out with is unreal. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, look. By the way, Colin Saka, a shite man is. Calling you out, utter piss. Shaka is quality. Shut it, right? Talking shite. He's just being provocative. Sam Sharp, you know, he just wants a reaction. But I do like the spice, Waza. That's why we love you on here. And it wasn't the same without you last week. Um, look, I think, like Pat, you the the big stat from that game was the possession stat, and I and I was vocal about this last year. And it's like that's the difference. See, it's really hard for them to score when you have the ball, and for Spurs to go to the Emirates and do that. I actually don't. I think a draw was probably fair. Like I know you're saying, like Spurs, but like Spurs, like Spurs, Spurs got a gift or a goal by Jorginho, right? Let's 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 be clear about that. Like he he just made a, he had three easy passes on that was he gifted it. The handball is never a penalty for me. I just again everyone's confused. I think Ange said it. he was like we have to have defenders, develop defenders with no arms. I think that was that was a that was a pretty harsh decision. 
because it's not deliberate. I thought it was just a very even game. I thought at the end, it could have gone either way. No team really pressed and went for it either. So I think both were kind of, I felt Spurs were kind of okay with the draw, which you, you understand them more than Arsenal. Um, I think the big difference for me with Spurs is like you say, Pat, it, it's just, it just shows you what difference in terms of a coach is like just that, men- it's a mentality thing. It's not about the, th- you could argue, I know Madison's good, but you said it was, and no Kane. So in theory, you could say that's a huge, like, you take Haaland out of City, that's a big deal. Right, you take Salah out of Liverpool. That's a big deal. Like that's not easy. They're better. They're a better team collectively now because they they have a philosophy, a mindset. They're all bought into that. You can see they're all bought in. And um, Arsenal, look, you know we've waxed lyrical about Spurs. I, I still think there will be ups and downs of Spurs this year just by nature of injuries or their depth. I do think that. But Arsenal are look as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't panic either because you've been playing pretty poorly you've shown some resilience as well but you're still up there so you, you the hope is you get better the injuries that have come now problematic for Arsenal fans so and I do think that the biggest concern for Arsenal would be that like you said was like possession wise they were they've been quite poor in general I feel that their press is not their their press does not is not effective now like they, they waste a lot of energy pressing then they sit off they did it against Man United and it was bizarre so I, that's what would concern me them and also look Michael Arteta trying to be a shite Pep and be like, oh, what's Pep not done? Oh, what I'll do is I'll get two goalies and then I'll just like say, hey, you know, it's the same as changing a striker. Mikel, no, it's not, mate. It's not the same, right? Nobody does it for a reason. You're being an absolute walloper and it will come back to haunt you, mate, because see you're flip-flopping with the goalkeepers. One is going to make an error and there'll be, the press will be all over you about it. The fans will be all over you. You're being an idiot. That's my take. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And the thing is, like, obviously, both teams would take a point. Well, no, Spurs would take a point. Like, taking a point in a derby away from home after you've had the summer that you've had with the injuries that you have and the team that you have with the coach after two months, of course you can draw. But I honestly would feel like Spurs need to... I think my concern is the only way that Spurs can spur this, spur this is not by going on a run of games where they lose. It's by not putting their foot on the throttle while they can, like continuing all out attack and reverting mm-hmm. to a Conte defensive mind of like counter-attacking and all that sort of stuff. Like I think yeah. if they lose faith in the system, if they have a couple of rubbish games, that's spurting it. Okay. They won't lose faith in the system. You could tell they didn't do it when they got behind in this game both times. And you can also say like the losing faith in the system is going back to something where you were depending on Eric Dyer in the middle of the defense. <laughs> going to happen. Losing faith nope. in the depending on NBA being in the right place and, you know, never really attacking, but kind of always being there and having the coaches kind of player that you know, people who are fans can't tell why he's out there, but the coaches go, I love that guy. And look, I think uh, the special one getting out, out to Roma right now, they can't win a game out there and they, they're trying to get Hoybe there. Like, whatever, come and get him or, or, uh, or Dyer. He wants to get Dyer, I guess. Hoybe is going to go to somewhere else, but like, go take Dyer. We don't need him. Like, Benjamin's way, way better. The four across the back is better. Like all of it just looks better. And I just don't see, they will have rough results. They will have injuries. Those things will happen. They won't give up on the system. I'm just going to play his ball. It's going to go that way. I'm pretty sure about that. Listen, Pat, there's one final point. I know we've got to move on. Waz is keeping us on time here, but listen, you you drive Dyer and Hoiberg to, to Roma, right? What I would say is that one thing, the thing I learned just to put a button on this that I learned from this derby is, and Pat, you did, Pat called 2-2 when I texted him. We did call it. I've got it. It's, it's, it's in the history books. I expected Arsenal to beat Tottenham, like, pretty, con- not in terms of, like, a big scoreline, but just convincingly performance-wise. So what I learned is 
Tottenham are, to your point, was a more resilient than and, and more, and they probably evolved quicker than I thought they would. And Arsenal aren't as good as I thought they were. That's what I learned from that game. Like that, that's what I've learned. So anyway, let's move on. Speaking of uh, teams that aren't as good as you thought they were, man, Manchester Reds. Well, them or Chelsea. Who, but again, Waz, I'll ask you this question. I think Pat, we thought, Waz, if, if I was, if you're right now, you said who who should be more concerned, Man United or Chelsea fans? I want you to tell me your opinion. I think, I think, I think Manchester Red fans for sure. I think Chelsea fans are just accepting the fact that they've just had a ton of transfers. It's been chaos with the ownership and the management of the club, and they need to stabilize. While Manchester Red very much assume, oh yeah, you know, we've got this world class manager. We won a cup last season and everything like that, and we, you know, we bought a few players like Webberly. We have a new way of playing football that isn't Jose Ball. And it kind of is. I think that I'd be more concerned if I was I was them rather than Chelsea. Chelsea are kind of used to it right now. While all of the money and they can't beat anybody, they suck. They're terrible. Of course they like, that's I'm who I'd be. If I was listen, there. Pat. Listen, and, and listen. We have to call this out. You know, Pat. Every season we've been on this is called Chelsea to just have an absolutely an egg. They're laying an egg this year, so it's like you know a couple of years too late. But Pat called it. I agree. Last week, I agreed with you. I agree. I agree with you. Was I was like I was like United are like no identity. They're they're in a real spot. They got some guys back from injury now. I, I Chelsea. I do. Think now, I I think there might be more. I think the thing is with Chelsea is like, see, at Man United. Here's my, my take. I just don't believe, and I've had this debate with Man United fans, and I understand that they don't want the many grounded managers. I don't like it either, right? But I was there as a Liverpool fan. We we went through the Hodgson years and all those. We had this rotation of managers, right? We had Kenny Dalglish come in, and it wasn't right. Okay, until we got Rafa Benitez, and that was the first time you thought, oh, we've got a team that could do something here, right? Ten Hag is not the guy. So I think at Manchester United, and, and I'm not saying that their playing squad is, is brilliant. I just think with if you put Postacoglu or Deserby or Thomas Frank or a manager to me that is, you know, has got the chops, has got a vision. I think they need a manager that will top to bottom do. This is the vision. This is how we're playing. He needs to do it all and have broad shoulders. He's not the guy. Chelsea, I think they have a good manager. Some, I, I just I actually don't know what the problem is. Like, I actually don't know what the problem is. Like Pat, I just don't know, right? Um, <laughs> I, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon the problem is the fact that he's. What just, is it? It's just so like he's got far too many options. Like he's got. Look at Spurs. The reason that he did well at Spurs is because he had such a tight squad because he had no other options. He had his eleven bigs and he had to play them every week, and they eventually got tired. But at least he got something out of them. Which but it's the opposite, was it? It's the opposite. The managers create like managers been more. That's a reason not. The reason not to do LC, I don't have enough. Like, I don't have enough. Like, you've got literally, like, look, a lot of them are young. So one thing I would say is there's young, but there's no doubt in their time. Like, how do you take a player like Mudrick? And I, honestly, he looks like he can't take a, like, he looks like he can't play football. His like, confidence is dead, yeah. But his manager's job is to, be, like, take him out. Like, do, do, do something to help the boy. You've got loads of other players that can go and play, and like I, I just, I, I just don't know what the deep lying issues are there. Whereas Man United, I do feel at this point, the manager is the thing. If you change and get a better manager, I think the outcomes become better almost immediately. Whereas Chelsea, I think the manager's good. I just don't know what's going on. I don't know. I'd, I'd still prefer to be in Chelsea's position than in Man, like Manchester Manchester Reds. Reds. Manchester, well, because the thing is that like you can you can like, Poch will come good. He will. Like, he will come good. I think that they need to shed a, a lot more fat still from the squad. I think that they've got... It's it's an imbalanced squad. It's still an imbalanced squad. It's still not great. 
but at least Poch can try and get something. I think he needs to just accept that Mudrick's not going to work right now. Like the fact that did you not read the article that they're doing crossbar challenges to try and improve? Yeah, I saw that. And he can't even do better than Poch, right? I think they need to try and like make some sort of focal within the team of more like Sterling. Yeah. Like Sterling I, is the most experienced and quality player in that team. They need to try and and Chilwell's out now as well. So Poch is definitely going to be struggling a little bit here. Well, like, do you not do you not, do you not think though? I, uh, the only you know the only thing I can kind of conclude right. So it's either it could be one. Maybe there is something in terms of Poch's impression that there may be some disconnect there. More likely, uh, you know, I think in this modern world, I think these a lot of these young players getting these long contracts on mega money, that's the thing that I look at and go, that's the consistent factor in terms of the, the change in the model there that Bowley's come in with. And I'm like, is that conducive? Like, I, I think part of it is like, if you've got that long contract, you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be getting however many thousands of pounds a week for the next eight years or 10 years, whatever they're signing these boys up for. Is that conducive to, you know, does it make the players, again, you, you give players a lot of power and, and security. I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Pat? I mean, I, you know, I, mean, you know, I, I always, I, I always look at American sports and some of these things where, in the NFL, like the whole running back. I know we're not talking about NFL on this, but like there's a whole thing this year where running backs were struggling to get paid, which is a completely opposite problem. But the players really aren't so much in control. But I feel over here they are. I don't know what you take, what you're taking these long contracts are. No, no, I think Chelsea is like Chelsea just spending money to spend money. I don't, I, I don't really understand what they're doing over there. But you're right, like they. <laughs> They lock people up for long periods of time for for a lot, a lot of money, and they're. Uh, I mean, they're they've got skilled players, but they don't have great play. If they had great players, they'd be doing better than what are they fourteenth right now? Some ridiculous number, like way down the way down the table. They're they're an awful shape. You think? Last question. This was like for both of you. If you looked at the playing squads of those two teams, United and Chelsea, which one would you? If you're a manager, which one is more attractive? Just in terms of the players you have at your disposal. disposal. See, I, I would pick United. I actually think United have a better balance. I, I don't know. I, I think United are in a little bit of a better. So that's just my my opinion. But I'm keen, keen to understand what both of you think. I know Chelsea have got like volume, but well, it's better per spend. I mean, that's for sure. Well, I just think Bruno for like got different makers like Fernandez. The boy Sholin looks like a good player. Like Rashford's a difference maker, right? You've got. I mean, Eriksen. I know he's kind of you know fallen off a bit, but you've got. I don't know. I mean, the defenses are both. I mean, but United have got Casemiro and Varane, which I go, yeah, they're they're experienced. You know, they've won everything in football. Whereas I look at Chelsea and I kind of think, Oof, I mean, there's a, I don't know that their backline I don't like at all. Um, their midfield, like Caicedo, Lavi, I know Lavi's not. I, I I don't I don't know if I'm seeing the whole picture there either. Um, that's just my thought. I would probably take you, you know, if I was a manager right now, think of the next three years, I think I could win more with the United squad than I could with the Chelsea squad currently. That's my I, take. Yeah, you've got you've got more you've got more finished products in the in in the Manchester squad, but you don't. I guess that's the thing. I think that yeah, I I'd still go for Chelsea just because of that youthful element that there can be. <laughs> and also, I just think that Bruno Fernandez is a shy guy. Um, <laughs> he's a shy guy. It's the worst reason. Like yeah, he is a terrible guy. Really, like if you want results quickly, you go for you go for Manchester Reds. But if you want like a longer term project, I still think they need to trim the fat. But I think a longer term project, you go for Chelsea. But you're right. I think actually Ross, that's a really good point. Like that they are just potentially too comfortable some of the players because they've got these long contracts they know that they're not going to get shipped or anything anywhere just yet but I yeah. yeah no I'm with you I'm with you 
Um, so previews for the weekend. There's obviously a bit of a match happening coming up at this weekend, which both of your teams are happening to uh, be involved in. And only one of us is going to be there, and that's going to be me. I'm listen. I'm, listen. I'm I'm at a bigger tie. Ross County versus Hearts up in Dingwall, up in the Highlands here. So. Um... Look, we're, we're, the plan is me, me, Alfie, my oldest, and my, my nephews are going to go to the county game. We're going to play play football in the morning. Going to go to the county game. I'm actually watching my nephew play tonight, and then we're going to watch the Liverpool game, get some food. Look, what I would say about this, I, I, in in a, and I and I genuinely mean this. I feel like the Tottenham Liverpool games, like no matter what I say about them, they're always entertaining. You know, whether we've won or lost, now we've been quite successful, which maybe is part of why I've enjoyed them, but. I just love those games where you go, I know there's going to be two teams that have a philosophy. They're going to go about it and the way they're going to go about it, which generally speaking will be conducive to, even if the, I'm not talking scoreline, like, you know, like, you know, a 3-3 draw or 4-3 win, it could be that, but it could be a 1-1, but it will be, it will be thoroughly entertaining. So this is the first bit, one of the big games that I look forward to, especially when you're away from home. Cause you know, at Anfield, I feel more, I feel we have to win those games. Like the home games you have to win. I feel in a way this is this is a little bit of a like one of these teams is going to come out of this with that extra excitement and hype and expectation. So if we go there and win, you can imagine what Liverpool fans are thinking because we got you, then we got Brighton, and if we beat them, then we got an easier stretch before we play City. So that's interesting for Tottenham. It's like if Tottenham can really put a stamp on things and 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 beat Liverpool because we're we're in good we're in good pomp, we're in good form at the moment as well. So two informed teams, two teams that I think play very good football. Honestly, I'm actually a little bit relaxed and more excited than nervous. And I would normally, if it's City were playing, I'm nervous. If it's Arsenal, I don't know. I have more nerves, even United. But this one I enjoy, Pat. I always enjoy it. So I don't know how you feel. How do the Tottenham side feel on this one? I, I, I said it was going to be 3-3 until I just heard that whole long kind of soliloquy from you. And now I say it's 3-1 Spurs. Well, oh, I love that. Play I love that. On your team. And I think that once that happens then you won't be able to get any Spurs fan to shut up about how optimistic they are about everything that's going to happen. Like this is, there's been tests and, and kind of we're everybody's doing a little bit of like waiting for the, the negative thing to happen. If they win this game, no end to the optimism. None. Pat, Pat, can I just ask this though? Do you think your backline is ready for the chaos that Darwin Nunez is going to bring? Because that's what he brings. He brings chaos. I'm sorry, but you... that, 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 that term chaos is just a synonym for just so inconsistently shy. Like that's literally it. He's just so. I think. So, I think he's been pretty consistent this year, was it? Like you look at the the the, the minutes in the park and his goal ratio. Look at look at the look at the look at that. If you want to look at something and, and compare it to Haaland, I think you might be a little bit. You might be like, oh, oh, this bot. Listen, listen, was it? Was I'm just. I'm telling you right now. You look at that bot. Look at look at his contribution today, and based on the minutes he's played, right, the minutes he's been in the field, his impact is significant. And by the way, that front line of him, Salah, and Diaz. Now I can see the picture. The, him, Salah and Nunes have a bit of an understanding that I saw with like Firmino and I'm not saying it's the same, but it's a different dynamic, but they have a, a wavelength thing. And I tell you what, Waza, you will like this one. I know and, and look, Waza, I know that you are jealous of how handsome Liverpool's players are. So Bosley, you've got a man crush. We all have a man crush on him. What a goal midweek. That wow. boy that is an absolute fine. baller. And I tell you what, I know we didn't say this at the Spurs game. Everyone was going Son and Madison. Yves Basuma was the best player in the park at the Emirates Stadium. He was the best player on the park. And, te- and I will I would debate that with anyone. Th- that's going to be fascinating to see. Like, Sabozla against him, I think it's Madison. We don't really have a holding six. So Madison's got the opportunity to influence the game. He's in good form. But I, and Son, usually, he does have a habit of scoring against us. 
But I tell you what, Salah has a habit of scoring against him. Nunes is bringing the chaos. I'm spiced. I am spiced about this game. I think we're gonna. It's gonna be a, an absolute barnstormer, and it's just gonna come down to who's gonna be more clinical. And I'm backing the boy Darwin. The yeah, boy Darwin. Your, your boy Darwin. Your boy Darwin does bring the chaos, and chaos means he might. He's got fifty percent chance he scores some incredible goal that no one else could score, and a fifty percent chance he kicks the ball up his own ass. Like you just don't know what chaos means for this guy. It could be anything. Right? I know. I know what it means. I know what, what it means is pace physicality i just don't know i don't i don't know if your boys at the back will fancy it i think that they'll want to play they'll play it and he will we will and by the way we will i expect us to come and press the life out of you and you see the way you played against arsenal like bet like city that this is where i worry for tottenham is teams if arsenal's press is functional they, they you saw the madison when jesus should score and win the game for them that's the jeopardy of what spurs are doing right now but i i fancy that we can we'll, we'll fancy that we will fancy that we know that they won't change so it's going to be so interesting I think it's going to be 3-1 Spurs. And you know what? Third goal is going to be Richarlison. Yes. So, yeah. so to, I'll bet this definitely won't be 3-1 Spurs and Richarlison will definitely not score. Right? Okay? So, look, if, if, if and listen, we can have a little wager because you two seem so confident, right? If those two things manifest, then I will buy you both the whiskey of your choice in Milroy. It's not the one that that guy almost got arrested for, Pat, but um, maybe not that one. That was, was a little bit top shelf. That was like 600 bangers for a gram. But anyway, um, but there we go. But listen, no... 3-1, absolutely not. But Richarlison scoring can't happen. No, Son to score, maybe, but Darwin will definitely score as well. I know we came with a short one this week. It's kind of a short episode. We probably don't have time to go through all the fantasy stuff, but uh, looking forward to watching this game this weekend. It's going to be fantastic, yeah? Yeah, and what about one quick one quick fantasy, just one one player that you're saying is, is somebody to pick, like somebody you think this week, because we've been pretty good at this this year. I think we're pretty good at this. James Will Prowse. Okay, James Ward-Prowse, what about you, Pat? Wow. I'll say this, Luton have a double game week, sort of Burnley. So you could look at Morris because he takes the penalties for Luton. Again, I know it's not a, a big one. The only other thing is Dominic Calvert-Luton's hit a bit of form and Everton do play Luton. So he's one, if you're looking for a, a striker, I'd say Nketi is one to get out now. I think he's going to fade out in that attack with Jesus. I, I would expect that, but the injuries might keep him in. But I would say you might want to look at that double game week there and um, could be spicy. I'm going to give you Ake. He can't, like, the Wolves can't score. So I'm, I'm going to give you him. You're going to give me him? I thought, I thought it would be a Wolves defender, Pat. It's usually a Wolves defender because Ben Chill was out, so you can't say Ben Chill well, right? So. Wolves, Wolves can't score and, and Ake might. So, so he's, a, he's at least good for six. He might be good for more than that. Mm, sounds good. Well, listen, it was a pleasure. Waza, are you going to wrap us up? Flying tour. Thank you very much, boys. Looking forward to seeing Richarlison, Nat, and do the pigeon dance. It's going to be gorgeous. Um, and next time, we'll have a slightly longer episode because we're going to spend a long time talking about how chaotic Nunes was when he got his red card against Romero. Uh, until then, boys, thank you very much and see you very soon. Thanks, everyone.